Good morning, brothers and sisters. I greet you in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. I'm usually very nervous when I'm going to speak, but this morning I'm more than nervous. <laughs> That's no joke. Um, and in coming in, a brother greeted me and he says, you're in the pulpit this morning. Remember, you write, Satan rewrites, Satan unwrites, and God rewrites. And that is true. So I ask you to bear me up in prayer. Uh, let us look to the word of God. I ask you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 3, verses 23 to 28. At that time, I pleaded with the Lord, O sovereign Lord, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For God, for what God is there in heaven or earth who can do the deeds and mighty works you do? Let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that fine hill country and Lebanon. But because of you, God was angry with me and would not listen to me. That is enough, the Lord said. Do not speak to me anymore about this matter. Go up to Pisgah and look west and north and south and east. Look at the land with your own eyes, since you are not going to cross the Jordan. But commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he will lead this people across and cause them to inherit the land that you see. I want you to turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, reading from verse 36 to 46. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here a while, and I will go there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. 
Could you men not watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because his eyes were, their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes the betrayer. When the answer to prayer is no. We are, we are exhorted to pray. And we believe that God answers prayer. But sometimes the answer is no. And there are some lessons when we look at these two passages that we can learn from the life of Moses and we can see the example of Jesus. God answers prayer, yes. Matthew 7 verse 7 says, Ask, keep on asking and he will give you what you ask for. The psalmist says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. When you cry for help, says, says Isaiah, as soon as he hears, he will answer you. Last Sunday night, I, will, I had to go to Jamaica very urgently. And there is a report that I must turn in on the 31st of March. And some malware got into my computer some time ago and it destroyed practically all the files. I paid a lot of money to the best specialist to see if they could recover what is on the hard drive since it is not all deleted. And they said they have never seen anything like it because it's not that the files are deleted. They have just been mangled and scattered all around. It would take years to reassemble them. And the only thing I can do is to find, I always keep some paper backup. And so I have two paper files that I have, but I, I, I put them away so carefully that I have hid them from myself. <laughs> and for the last eight months, I have been systematically looking through my study to find these files. And last Sunday night at about 11.30, because I'd been so busy the week I had no time to continue the search, I went into the study, look at the last place I thought they were, they weren't there. And I said, Lord, you know the importance of this matter. You know that I have not had the time to look at it because I've been looking about other people's business. Help me. In five minutes, I found the first file. In about ten minutes, I found the other one. When I found it, I just lifted it up to the Lord and said, Thank you, Lord, because they could do no other explanation than the words of Isaiah. 
When you call, as soon as he hears you, he will answer. And so, God answers prayer. But sometimes the answer is no. And let us look at two outstanding instances when God's answer to prayer was no. And there is no more outstanding figure in the Old Testament, no greater prophet than Moses. And God said no to Moses. And there is no figure greater in the Bible and in the world than our Lord Jesus Christ's only begotten Son in whom he said, I am well pleased. And God the Father said to God the Son, no. If he could say that to Moses and he could say that to Jesus, sometimes the answer is no. Let us look at Moses and the context. At Kadesh in the desert of Zin, the Israelites quarreled with Moses and Aaron because there was no water. Let me tell you something. There's one thing true about the people of God. They grumble and quarrel, especially against the leadership at some time or the other. This was not the first time. There were many instances, if you go back and read Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Leviticus, you will find the examples of the grumbling and quarreling and the accusations. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting and they fell down and prayed because that's the only answer that there is when the people grumble and say all manner of things that are not true and attributed to the worst motive that you could think possible. And, and, and God answered and instructed Moses to take Aaron's staff, gather the assembly and the community, and speak to the rock, and water would come forth. And, but Moses instead went out, took Aaron's staff, and struck the rock twice. And God declared that neither Aaron or Moses would enter the promised land. Let us continue with that context. Aaron the priest accepted God's judgment. He did not ask God to enter the promised land. See, Aaron was a priest. Let me, let me make a little difference between the priest and the prophet. The priest is spectacular in his raiment. He's comfortable in the sanctuary. He's faithful in his observances of the rituals and the ordinances and the feasts and the festivals. And he lives with the people. Comfortable, secure. The prophet is different. The prophet is a man of vision. He, he, he articulates the vision of God to the people. He, he articulates the way of God and wants to keep them in the narrow. And, 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 and the, the, the word is, he barks at the pre people when they deviate from the way. So it wasn't all right with Moses that God said, you will not enter the promised land. He had embraced God's vision to lead the people out of Egypt. He accepted God's verdict 
that because of their disobedience, they would wander for 40 years, and he had carried them through those 40 years. He knew that they were rebellious and stiff-necked, and, and he accepted that. But now he was on the verge of entering the promised land. And it was not okay with him for him not to go there. So in the passage read in Deuteronomy 3, 20, 23 to 20, it. You see Moses going to God and say, listen, Lord, I want to enter the promised land. This is one of the deep desires and goals of his life. Moses had never asked God for anything for himself. Go through and read the books of Exodus Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you will see Moses pleading with God on behalf of the people. God said, I'm going to wipe out these people and I'll make, I'll make your people in it. Moses says, no, God, it's your people. No, 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 not me. It's your people. What would people think if you wipe them out? He had never asked God for anything. And I think he expected because he had never asked him for anything. Because he deeply wanted to go there, God would say yes. But God said no. In fact, he blamed the people. He says, listen, it's because of you that God was angry with me. So he didn't like it. No. Why would God's answer be no. I am not claiming to know all the reasons. So I'm going to put them as possible reasons. One is clear from what we read. Punishment administered with mercy. Okay, you won't go, but I let you see it from the top of Mount Pisgah. You see, Moses had anger issues. You remember he killed the Egyptian who was taking, was abusing an Israelite. Raised as a prince of Egypt with a mission that he was going to do something with God's people. He was, he was anxious to take things out to his hand. God had to send him into the uh, sorry, into the remote places. I wouldn't use a term that the Bible says of the desert. He had to put him out there in the wilderness with sheep for 40 years. To say, no, not what you want to do. You do it with me. Until Moses was at the point where he says, I can't do it alone. And he says, well, let, let, because I'm slow of speech, he says, let Aaron go with you. When, when Moses came down from, from Mount Sinai with the, with, with, with the commandments, the two tablets of stone, and he saw the golden calf, Moses smashed them in righteous indignation of what the people had done. With that same anger, he struck the rock. Probably that anger didn't fit him for leadership in the promised land. His personality 
was not that. What I wrote, what is up there and what I wrote is until Friday. But I've been meditating on this passage, this topic for more than a year. And it's constant. I hope the Lord is speaking. I know the Lord is speaking to my heart. I hope he speaks to yours. I will not try to apply it. That's, that's the responsibility and work of the Holy Spirit. But this word came to me this morning. It is probably because new leadership was required. Moses had led a generation. That generation had died off. A new generation was entering. Probably that new generation needed new leadership in the form of Joshua. And therefore, a transition had to be made. And God desired Moses to take part in that transition. So Moses accepted it when he, when he found that God didn't want him to go. And he wrote the book of Deuteronomy. And the book of Deuteronomy is a remarkable book. It's not continued progress. If you take the origins of Genesis, the, 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 the leaving and the Exodus in Exodus, the Leviticus and the Numbers reporting the progress, Deuteronomy is a pause. There is no progress in the people in movement. They are still on the verge of entering the promised land. But what Deuteronomy does is to repeat and recite all that God had given to Moses about the people and how they should live. And he writes it again. All right, if I'm not going to go there with you, here is how you should live in the promised land. And he writes it out. It's part of the transition. It's part of, of what God said to him. And commission Joshua and prepare him. He was helping. He was doing that. I will not get there with you, but I'm going to give you all that God has revealed and, in, and, and, and taught me to tell you. I'm writing it out in one book. In fact, when Josiah found the book that was lost, it was the book of Deuteronomy. When he was finished writing the book of Deuteronomy, he gave it to the Levites and he said, put it in the, the Ark of the Covenant, that it is there. If you read Deuteronomy, you will say, you will see him saying, every king should have a copy of it, would make a copy of it. In other words, this is God's word that must guide them. He was part of making the transition. And there could be no greater benediction to the book of Deuteronomy than the fact that when Jesus was tempted by Satan and he quoted scripture, he quoted from the book of Deuteronomy. Man shall not live by bread alone when Satan said, turn these rocks into stone. When Satan took him to the pinnacle and said, cast yourself because the angels, he says, do not test the Lord your God. When Satan said, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. If you bow down and worship it, he said, no, only the father, only God you must worship and serve and him only. He was quoting from Deuteronomy 8.3, Deuteronomy 6.16 and Deuteronomy 6.13. Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy because Deuteronomy had set out. And because... Moses accepted God's answer 
as no. And was obedient to it. He resigned to it. He then wrote this book, which has served. And whenever you go through, through Deuteronomy, remember, Deuteronomy is Moses' acceptance of God's answer to the prayer of going into the promised land. And will the answer be no? And when he dies, it is said of him in the last chapter of Deuteronomy, probably written by Joshua, his strength, his eyes were not dim, nor his strength abated. He died with all of those things. He died there, not going into the promised land, but leaving a legacy as the greatest prophet that lived outside of when the master came. I want you to turn with me and look at Jesus' resignation to the will of the Father as recorded in Matthew's Gospel. When he went into Gethsemane, and we have read the passage, Jesus was fervent in prayer. Three times he left Peter, James, and John and prayed earnestly. He was persistent in his request. Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. Look, look. You, you couldn't say that Jesus had any anger issues or any personalities. He, he was righteous. He was without sin. You can't fault Jesus in any way. You know, people say if you, if you pray and you fast and, and you do everything right and you, God will give you. No. Jesus was perfect in every way. The greatest man who ever lived. God who took on flesh and lived and, and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The one who God said, this is my beloved son in whom I have well pleased. And Jesus praying persistently and fervently got the answer back, no. Let me say this. It's when I was going through this, I realized what John 3.16 really meant. You know, we quote it every day. For God so loved the world. But listen to another translation. This is how much God loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. I, I hope you hear that. The, if you want to know how much God loves the world, this is how much that he denied the, the wishes and requests of his only begotten son. That is how much. So let me tell you something. You better be careful when you try to escape such great salvation. Notice the response of Jesus. It was resignation to the will of the Father. It was denial of his own will, not my will, 
but thine be done. Jesus wanted to be spared separation from the Father and his fellowship. He wanted to be spared being made sin for us. And God said, no, you have to do it. And he put aside his will. He denied himself. And he acknowledged the supremacy and paramountcy and supremacy of the will of the Father. Let us understand everything. Many times when we are living this life, we think it's all about us. In everything we want, it's God to give us. I don't know if you use this term here, but in Jamaica, we treat God as a books. In other words, somebody we just go to and ask for everything and he just gives us like an indulgent parent, a sugar daddy. God is not that. God is supreme. And it is his will and purpose that is supreme. And it is when we live our lives with the supremacy of God's will and purpose that we find ours. Because God's will is above all. When it was clear to Jesus that the answer was no, in verse 46 he says, rise, let us go. My betrayer is at hand. Look, he got up and said, okay, God, if that is your will, that is, this is what I am going to do. The matter is settled. Let us go and do what God requires. There was no grumbling, no self-pity, no resistance, no resentment. He went forward, and I know in a few weeks' time we will, we will be going through this, so I will not. He went, to an, he went through with an unjust trial, with great humiliation, with cruel crucifixion. And his last words, when he had gone through it all, it is finished. I have performed the Father's will. When the answer to prayer is no, here is the example of Jesus. Obedience to the will of the Father and what he desired. Self-denial and self-sacrifice. That was required. Performance of the Father's purpose for coming into the world was accomplished. Man's redemption was made possible. And hallelujah. Resurrection was assured. Pardon me if I'm a little emotional. When the answer to prayer is no, let us look at the implications of the example of Jesus. For those who have not accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, let me say this to you. How can you escape if you neglect so great salvation?
for us believers. If we are to walk redeeming the times, then we must follow the example of Jesus. Not my will, but thy will be done. And let me tell you, whether you are a believer or unbeliever, there is a day coming when all, they are the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah and Amen.